Good afternoon and welcome to Acting Up, an hour of resistance radio that explores the movements that made us, drawing from the activist archives through to the voices of resistance today. I'd like to acknowledge that we're broadcasting from stolen lands, the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I'd like to pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Sovereignty has never been ceded. You're with Megan Williams today as we embark on what will be the second last show of our retrospective history series. Over the past few months, we've been celebrating 45 years of creative resistance at Friends of the Earth. 45 years we've been mobilising communities, resisting the oppressive forces from patriarchy to nuclear racism and transforming our future towards a more just world for all. Joining me behind the panel is my co-host, M. Gaifer, not feeling so sharp today. 
Thanks, Megan. Um, yeah, I do have a bit of a sore throat, but I'm glad to be here. Very glad to have you. And, you know, you've got to rest, rest that voice because you've got your first gig coming up on Monday. I do, yes, um, at the old bar, so I'm very excited about that. Well, first solo gig, a seasoned performer, you are. And it's very much on topic because today on the show we are looking at Friends of the Earth's involvement in the music scene, how we've used gigs and performances over the years to really feed the cultural aspect of our community, fundraise and celebrate the often unseen and unsung work that goes on. Of course, as a grassroots organisation, FOE has always relied on fundraising to keep the organisation running, and particularly in Melbourne, fundraising gigs like balls and raves have been been a big part of keeping the organisation thriving, and they still are to this day. FOE is quite a musical place. Many musos have worked for the org, and FOE is manifesting uh, Melbourne's counterculture, which is closely connected to the grassroots music community. So today on the show, we're going to be chatting with some of the people who have been involved in the musical and performance side of Friends of the Earth today to take a look at some of the iconic events and their importance to the organisation. In the studio, we're joined by Leanne McLean, former food food co-op coordinator who was heavily involved in fundraisers, including the incredible Faux Balls, current food co-op coordinator Beth Cameron, fundraising extraordinaire who has organised numerous events over the years, and Anthony Amos, long-time faux campaigner who was also in a band in the 90s and fundraised almost exclusively for the Rainforest Network in the 90s with gigs. As always, we're covering the history of campaigns and the politics of the time over our 45 years of campaigning here in so-called Australia, what we did and why it's still important. It's going to be a great show, so stick around after this community service announcement. Wear your Radical Radio colours in one of 3CR's new T-shirts. The bright new design comes straight from this year's popular Radiothon poster designed by Aisha Tufa. T-shirts cost $30 to pick up or $37 with postage. So drop into the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Call 9419-8377 to place your order. Or buy one online at 3cr.org.au slash shop. 3CR Radical Radio T-shirts. Get Get one one now. now. <laughs> 3CR are selling kefir Palestinian scarves in support of the last factory that produces them in Hebron, Palestine. All profits will be donated to the reconstruction efforts in Gaza and support Palestinian industry. These are traditional scarves available in red and black, or you can choose from a modern design. Go to 3cr.org.au slash shop to buy online or drop into the station during business hours. You're listening to Acting Up. We're celebrating Friends of the Earth's 45th birthday with a retrospective series looking into our 45 years of creative resistance. You're here with Megan and Em, and in the studio we have Anthony Amos, Leanne McLean and Beth Cameron. Welcome back to Acting Up, everyone. <laughs> Thank Hello. you. So we've heard from you all before about the political climate and the time in the 90s when you were getting involved at Friends of the Earth uh, through the late 80s and early 90s. But today we're interested in exploring the culture of combining parties with politics. Can you describe for us what was going on with Melbourne's radical subcultures when you were getting involved at FOE? Beth, would you like to kick us off? Um, Well, I can only come from what I got involved with and what I've seen other collectives do. And I do agree it's an interesting thing because you really can't have community centres without having to fundraise and that's the most important thing that you pointed out earlier and about how many how much people have to do to make money and one of those things we're very lucky is we're in inner city um, situation and we're always mixing with creative people like from music and art 
theatre, those sort of things. So over the years we've been very lucky and fortunate to be able to be all interconnected to that. And that could be people that work at Friends of the Earth, have participated in gigs, people that family, friends, connections and then asking someone else and just keeping it going. But I think that we wouldn't have survived so many years without having benefit concerts really. Mm. It was a massive part of it. Yeah, definitely. And also in your introduction, like it's just a massive part of, you know, we can't have a revolution without having fun whilst doing it. So, and music and culture is part of that. And so, and it brings so many people into Faux as well because they're coming in via the music and the events that we were having as well as, yeah, family and friends and stuff like that. And we did certainly, Beth's just been pointing out a couple of the posters and I've seen my, my partner's name on a couple of them and, and like, heaps of best friends and stuff. Like, it just, everyone was asked to do something and they, and they did. They okay. came through. And in the old building, which I think we'd mentioned the last time because we were going to save that a bit for here, but it was, it's such a classic old building now, a big warehouse building, a giant one, that um, while we were moving and having to move out of that building, we did utilise that space for weeks and weeks and weeks on and on with anything small, anything big, anything you could hold there, and it all, all was very related to music, of course. And um, one night, which Leanne and I remember quite clearly because we had to, kind of get ready for this really big concert we were having. Well, we thought it was going to be big, but we weren't really sure who was going to turn up, but it ended up being so massive, like we kind of were really, like, couldn't believe it. Like the spider bait, who were sort of new, really, into like it, the name, were doing a mm. concert there, so everybody came out. And then we had a lot of other genres mixed that night. It was all a bit of everything yeah. going on, but there they was, stole the show. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, I think I had a friend from uni who knew them and then and played in another band and so it was like most of Melbourne Uni just sort of descended on Friends of the Earth because they used to play there at lunchtime and stuff like that so they had this really big following at the time yeah, yeah. And, and it we, was amazing. I know. So we had to, you know, when you're doing this too, you have to, um, you know, have a bar, of course, and that also comes with fundraising. So all these become fundraising concepts and ideas from raffles on the night, as much money you can get out of people to, you know, participate and give us money on the night. And I think one of the funniest things was that with the cult, we took out the big bit of glass and we made that like a cafe sort of environment and we did um, <laughs> vegetarian um, hot dogs in mm. rolls and we were all going, wow, this <laughs> This is really weird, isn't mm-hmm. it? We're just going, yeah, let's just do it, you know, <laughs> with tomato sauce. And everyone was like, yeah, and that yeah. sold out really fast. So <laughs> just all these things that you yeah. do to We did dude food, food before dude food was even dude exactly. food. Exactly. That's exactly, <laughs> exactly. the point. Exactly. Always ahead of the trend at Friends of the Earth. And Amos, was that your experience as well coming into Friends of the Earth? Like, was there a big connection with music and the campaign work that you were doing? It was part of your... Uh, yeah, well, well Bass gigs were huge. I mean, that were on a level that we couldn't organise. Or I mean, we were more interested in the small stuff, so we were organising dozens of gigs in in pubs and getting just getting friends' bands to play. That track you played before was a, a, a guy Marty Daly who was in Forest Network. So we'd often get people in our group come along, and they had bands and um, and they'd uh, they, they'd play gigs and. We'd raise, I don't know, three to five hundred bucks, but that kept our little group, our forest mm. network group, surviving through the 2000s. And then when the IS Indigenous Solidarity Conference, we had um, some big gigs for that. Um, Archie Roach and, and, and Ruby Hunter played, I think, three or four gigs for us, uh, which was um, mind blowing, really. And Chris Wilson, I remember that they packed out the pub. What's that pub on the corner of? Um, Brunswick Street no, and uh, Alexander Parade. Yeah, yeah, what was it, it was called? Royal Derby. Royal Derby. 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 Royal Derby. Derby. Something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Tommy Lewis, uh, he, he played a few gigs for us uh, during that time. Bobby McLeod played at, at the Empress Hotel one night. Uh, for I mean, we, we had all that, but they were pretty small scale. Beth's were, what, 1,000, 2,000 people? Oh, I think it was um, probably about 600, but it was the the energy that you had to put into it because it all came down to, say, the balls that we were doing when they first started out, they were small scale, like 
they were small scale in the fact that we did them simple what we were entertaining people with but then they became these monsters when I look back on them like they was from dance to circus to you know go-go dancers to <laughs> oh god everything going on so it was a pack you know the golden girls a tap did. that we got in that were the um, oh, seniors yeah. that um, lined up and did tap dancing and showed everyone how yeah, to everyone just, had to get around and do like do the moves and they yeah, showed everyone so much crap. we did we, the limbo as well yeah, like, we had crap on each ball. hundreds of people doing limbo oh, <laughs> what about the that <laughs> And it sort of went into the 2000s of balls too, I think, didn't yeah. it? Because they went for a kind of fair while until they sort of while. called it like quits for a while. But um, I must say I really liked the air guitar competition. Yes, <laughs> no, that's been a controversy. Who really won that? I know. Well, I did with Kath Keeney. We won, but anyway, we weren't awarded the prize. <laughs> with Bruce Thompson but and Fraser. And, and, and the other thing, the subculture of the night, I missed it, but it was all the rave scene and all the, all the dance parties. So the Forest Network was, uh, we had people organising what's probably now called bush doofs and stuff, probably mid-90s, 94, 95, all that scene started to emerge. They'd have these illegal venues and the guy, I won't mention names, but, um, <laughs> the, yeah, there's all these organisation going on and um, so and that... Like our little forest group could survive on on almost nothing, so th- and that just kept us ticking over. Yeah, kept yeah. the oil in the in the in the gearbox. Yeah. Every collective had to fundraise, and a lot of people because they were connected to music. There were like like you're saying in little pubs everywhere, or anywhere. Like people were doing stuff because everyone wanted to play as well. Like all your friends wanted to have somewhere to play. So there's all that sort of connection. I suppose even with the art, like the art exhibitions, which is part of a bit of music and art was always sort of there was someone playing while the exhibition was on or, you know, those sort of things. So we're very well connected with that, I think. Mm. Well, it sounds absolutely fabulous and we will continue this discussion. But first we're going to go to a song. Now, Amos, you selected uh, the next track, though the track that we're about to play. It's by Liquorland called Jeff. Could you tell us a bit about that? Uh, yeah, this was a rough track. By we were basically a, a country and western act, and so um, yeah, we did a song called Jeff. We dared uh, Stephen Walker actually to play it on Triple R, and he did. So, so we were pretty happy about that. And then a bit of a story is that president of the Surf Riders Foundation actually must have taped it, and he said it was one of the best songs he's ever heard when he met a friend of mine, and I thought that was pretty amazing. So, yeah, this is our, our tribute to, to Slim Dusty and Chad Morgan and um, all, all, all the Bush Balladeers. Great. Let's take a listen. Some of the 
back to Acting Up on 3CR. <laughs> that was Liquorland with Jeff, the country western song with lead singer Anthony Amos, who's <laughs> joining us in studio. Now, we are on uh, doing our penultimate episode in this retrospective series celebrating Friends of the Earth's 45th birthday. We're looking back at the movements that made us and talking about Friends of the Earth's connection to the music community, bands and gigs, and the bands and gigs that we've held over the years. So, Beth, um, I'd like to just now just talk about the origins of the balls. So when you joined Friends of the Earth, were the balls a pre-existing event or, you know, where did they first come from and, you know, what, what did the first ball look like? Well, the first ball looked like silver, like it was all silver glitz <laughs> because I think it was because we had a 25th birthday then. I thought, well, maybe we should make use of the town hall, the people, the energy that we have and make every, everybody want to dress up. I mean, that was the way it was. Everybody loved styling and dressing up. And that's another thing. I think fashion should never be excluded from the discussion. I know that maybe some activists don't believe there is fashion in, in activism, but there really is. <laughs> and there always has been. But this gave opportunity for people to dress up, and they became these mega dress-ups, actually, which is what everybody really loved the most. I mean, you know, we had so many neighbourhood people, even Chris from around the road from the record shop just around here, DJed the first few, and, you know, Emma Peel was on our... I think she cut her teeth on our was one of her DJing gigs and then I got her a gig at the old bar for a really long time and so there was all that sort of connection but as Leanne and I were talking about too it was about getting people together and then also it was about getting all the other groups then that were connected similarly to us even if people were different the way we operated we asked everybody to join and Mm -hmm. so we'd have 3CR at book a table and then we'd have people from the ACF table they'd have two tables then it had all just grown then it'd just be all your family and friends and anybody that knew the musicians Mm. they'd sell out really fast too fast and then we'd still keep dragging people in as we did and um, I think the one thing that Leanne and I were just saying was that it was about including people on such a different level than just that too it wasn't just about the music it meant then you have to have a really amazing looking place and do a lot of stuff so you'd be looking and getting hiring like getting VCA like props department going down and asking them can they give you something for the tables and then you'd have this and you'd give them a sort of Kate, slab of beer you Kate know. Reed yeah, Kate <laughs> Reed would be making things or you'd have people making things in house in my house where I had um, when the housemates just building silver glitzy um, curtains that you could put on the backdrop and you'd have kids in um, primary schools cutting out little um, eyes and mm. stuff. But one And year, little Gaza. Yeah, Gaza was amazing. Just make amazing big props that would be on the stage. Yeah, yeah so everything was like that. <clears throat> like there was a place down in Northcote too where um, a lot of the people with disabilities but um, have a centre and they would make a really lot of stuff. We'd go down and visit them and then a lot of volunteers would go and work and make all these amazing decorations. So it was a never-ending connection of um, involving people and people wanted to be involved, which was really amazing. One year, because we wanted to have a lot of love in the world, like we had made these giant from old recycled cardboard love hearts that were bigger bigger Mm. than these, higher than this roof, and in different languages from around the world. So, of course, people were really out of it by the end and then they were just taking them home. Like, (laughs) I'm in love. Like crazy. Like just just created this real chaos, which was kind of good chaos as Mm. well. But it's about the people being involved, really, Mm. with everything they made and how you made things and we were so resourceful. And the promotions and yeah. getting getting people involved in making the poster mm. or oh, actually Beth made heaps of really great handmade posters yeah. as well. Yeah, and, yeah. well um, that's thing I wanted to ask you about actually I think you know for people who are, are living in this current moment of music promotion and that kind of thing it's hard to yeah, imagine exactly. promoting events without the internet. Oh we had so, to hand yeah. make them and hand cut out you used to do all that remember you'd cut out like just they were collages yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that was a lot of the Perry Street ones yeah, we did that urban stuff. And they were fantastic, <laughs> really beautiful. I know, it was quite, and they were a stunning um, environment, a stunning hall. Like, I think one year, because um, I, we got right into Mirror Balls, I think it was Copacabana, no, it wasn't Copacabana, it was Glamrock. I got um, from Copacabana up the road, lent me on a truck, one of the largest Mirror Balls, but we had to get all this structure to put it on. So wow. we created this whole Mirror Ball roof, like half roof in the 
um, town hall, and that was a major effort, but the best one ever because <laughs> it just looked amazing. And silent disco would come in and then throw the splash of all the lights through the place, so it would just be going all night, which yeah. was really good. But you just sort of, th- I was just always thinking about where could I borrow things like to create the authenticity, like say the 1920s one, which was very authentic, and it felt like you were in the 20s when you looked down on everybody and how they were dressed. But Channel 9, I sort of had a connection through there, so I got those lights that you put along the stage that sit up the big bulb mm. so then I go cool and then we get someone to go down and pick those up but we'd have to have them back by a certain hour you know so we wouldn't mm. they wouldn't get in trouble I don't know things like that all the time but yeah the social the inclusion of people was pretty important mm. it was a big job because mm. it was like a massive hall and um we had 24 hours in it to set up and pack down. We'd leave there by about 5am or something. Yeah, we'd be staffed. I had this um, red ute and we'd have oh, like God. the big mirror ball on the back and whatever be, be coming home at 5am with kegs and all this stuff to mm. take back to the co-op and we'd be, had worked for 24 hours or something to do it. We used to have like, because um, we put food on as well, we'd have like 20 volunteers in the kitchen mm. and um, they'd get there early on the Friday morning and, and work right through until like pretty much midnight or whatever but mm. but some of us would be definitely mm. on pack up the whole night long. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty inspiring hearing about um, just I guess like drawing on the connections in the Collingwood community that you know you were doing at that time to put on such a great event and I guess you know I think Collingwood at the moment has a pretty high profile for being a hub of music and creativity in Melbourne. What was mm. it like back then? Melbourne's um, always been a hub since yeah. the 80s or 70s. In it's it's very much the same, I think. Yeah. It's, it's just more of now. energy yeah. bouncing off all over the place. So although we didn't have the internet, we had mm. phones and we, you know, it wasn't that uh, that hard to organise stuff. And most of our stuff was word of mouth. We'd only get like our yeah, little a gigs. We'd get a, maybe 50, 100 people. That, that, that was, and we were happy with that. We'd invite friends' bands on and they'd bring their friends. And I mean, we never did two gigs twice with the same band so I remember our highlight was a 15 year old kid from Frankston playing Nirvana covers <laughs> at the Art House Hotel that was that was pretty cruddy but look the best gig I remember was the 97 the Indigenous Solid the first one we did we had uh, 20 Indigenous d- dancers from uh, North America yeah, came amazing. out a Fairfield Amphitheatre yeah. and um, there was all this energy at the f- it was Stuff wasn't working at the start of the night, but by the end of it, um, with the Indigenous dancers from Australia and Native America, everyone was up, and there was this amazing energy that was went on mm. for um, uh, a long, long time. And um, yeah, it was just really, really. That was probably the most significant gig I think that um, our little group pulled off, anyway. Yeah, and then we used to do things like the Perry Street Festival, which was about bringing foe onto the street and about utilising spaces and to do something different with them and getting people from the community and that was a lot of word of mouth like Anthony's saying where then it, caught, it created a social inclusion a social interaction for people we traded that way we got other people who are community minded groups to come along and have stalls. went down and had a stall yeah. there has actually been a lot of music and cross connection yeah, between 3CR sure. and Friends of Earth over the time and with those ones you'd we would set up, sometimes we had a big red truck we borrowed from the country from somebody, one gig, and then over time we'd just set up mm. anything we could. Trades Hall, of course, were great for lending. So we'd get some sort of crazy um, stage thing that we'd have to put together and make it work and be safe. Mm. So we had all of those connections as well, which it, we did a lot of stuff at um, Trades Hall. And like in gigs, the actually. street across Perry Street, I remember. Who, so who made the little bunting flags oh, that went yes. across? Like we'd we'd hang the, yeah, the yeah. whole street across with bunting from one, one, of one building to another. Yeah, one of our shoppers, um, school kids, they screen printed all of those and so they were so beautiful, amazing. Mm, yeah. But, um, and Beth's partner, remember, made the miniest disco, silent disco. Yeah. I had this dream and I wanted to make the smallest disco in the world, which was sort of a little <laughs> bit small, just about this big. A so you could come in with the mirror ball and then uh, we, they finally made it for me and it was all beautiful <laughs> fabric and glittering and then we'd play the music from the outside and then you'd pay $2 to go in and, and dance. And, uh, maybe 
really fit people. like two or three people in there. Yeah, well, it was really amazing. So that got set up in the laneway. Yeah, that was probably one of my the best creations because people cool. still talk about the smallest disco in the yeah. southern hemisphere. Yeah. It was and velvet yeah. and fluffy. Yeah, wow. yeah. a bit ahead of your time. I've definitely seen a, a karaoke booth or two like that. You know, yeah. that charges top dollar for a yeah. song or two. Yeah. Oh, it was an inspiration. It was beautiful. Yeah. 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 Well, it sounds like a, an incredible feat of work to organise all these balls. Um, and we will continue the, the discussion after our next track. Uh, we're going to play Spider Bait by Footy. Uh, <laughs> footy by Spider Bait. <laughs> Leanne, do you want to. Oh, no, just chosen uh, I've one. just chosen it because they did do that, that big gig for us in 92. And um, yeah, we were overwhelmed at the time with how many people. I think there was. There was probably a thousand people oh, there, or more maybe, um, in the old building on Brunswick Street. There were people hanging from the rafters and on the mezzanine oh, and no. up and everywhere and outside and in the streets and out the back. And we were just like, wow. And we certainly uh, raised money to run anyway, still. And it was <laughs> so thank you, Spider Bait. Uh, if you ever want to do a gig, we're calling out to you. Come back, <laughs> a comeback special. Oh, yeah, and Gutter Snipes. They were, yeah. in, they were, they were friends of mine that were in Gutter Snipes, Sean. <laughs> So, yeah, and also to Sebastian for the great poster because um, he just did this fantastic poster that kind of had these little gremlin creatures on it. It was just a really unusual poster and he was a screen printer. And so they were all handmade and they were ev- we put them up everywhere. And that's, yeah, they were all yeah. over the uni and stuff. So that's why people came down. It was great. Great. And you're on 3CR. <laughs> Oh! 
back to Acting Up on 3CR. That was Penny Whistle by Augie March, who played their debut gig at a Friends of the Earth, at a Friends of the Earth fundraiser. I, I don't know if it was debut. It was one of their early ones. I think it was uh, that pub on um, Johnson Street between... Uh, Rochester. Smith's, yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. Anyway. yeah, that was really nice of them. Yeah. yeah. And we're celebrating Friends of the Earth's 45th birthday this year, and with me in the studio is Leanne, Beth and Amos. We've been talking about uh, the balls of the 1990s into the early 2000s, the world's smallest disco, and <laughs> now we're going to change gears to hear from Anthony Amos about the punk scene. So, Amos, you were talking about... Um, you know, the gigs that the, you did for the Rainforest Network that helped to fundraise, and you yourself were in a band. So how would you say that music related to your campaigning work? Uh, well, uh, Forest Network, there's a lot of anger, I suppose. Um, we used to do gigs. The Empress uh, helped us out for a while uh, up, up in Nicholson Street. We did a few gigs up there. And then uh, the Art House was very... Um, supportive as well so we'd pull in all sorts of punk bands from around and uh, you know you got to understand the forest uh, scene there was a lot of crusty punk sort of people in that movement anyway so it just it just fitted in quite quite nicely uh in the forest scene so it was there was punk there was a heavy psychedelic thing going on as well um that some of the bands were trying to tap into some more successfully than others and a lot didn't really fire that well but you know it was, it was the, our main thing was uh, we'll give everyone a go just come up and if you can't get gigs play anyway you know it was just like um all in diy i guess uh you know the old sort of punk cliche 
So uh, if you had a band, just come along. Um, and if, like I said, a few of us had bands. And Nick Carroll, I should mention Nick, he had a recording studio in uh, North Melbourne. So he recorded a few, a few uh, of, the, of the bands that came through Forest Network. He ended up in a band called Sandro, which sort of invented a genre called, I guess, soft, soft rock or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, so uh, there was all sorts of tentacles going out. Um, and like I said, we were, we were country and western. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You sounded really country and western. I like your abstract. <laughs> <laughs> I should also say, like, there was there were some really big bands. That, although they didn't do benefits, they opened up doors and you know and gave us free tickets to gigs. And I remember uh, REM at the Melbourne My My Music Bowl. They um they were really supportive of what the environment groups were, were doing. This was early nineties. A lot of people mightn't have heard of REM now, but they are absolutely massive. And and if you look at the, their uh, you know, where they're from in Georgia, that they're very supportive of all the uh, all the, all the DIY um, uh, stuff going on in, in their part of the world, so, so, so they could relate. Another singer-songwriter, Bruce Coburn, he he came through town and um, was very supportive. He's a member of Friends of the Earth International, uh, and he's he's one of those patrons. He came through. Um, yeah, the list goes on and on and on. Um, I was saying that Barbara Streisand didn't come through. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was very disappointed. <laughs> I, I, I sent a letter to Barbara and I didn't get a reply. <laughs> yeah, that is a shame. I mean, yeah. hopefully there's still time. Yeah, I know. Yeah. She can still come through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Beth and Leanne, you know, obviously as food co-op coordinators, you were putting on these balls. I guess, like, for you, how did you see the overlap of this work of fundraising and putting on these big events, and how does it relate to the work that you're doing in the food co-op as well? Well, I think it's because of the connection of people, really, and it's um, being proud of that you are connected to community and how um, doing something creative like this is all part of just your daily life or it should be part of your daily life in a way and having that forum of all the people that are there and joining together to make something from nothing happen is quite incredible and I suppose the overlap too is that it was about um, doing fundraising to find money to get through hard times as well and um, also for everyone in the organisation to be involved with it so that other people also would um, make money out of it as well. So it was very collaborative. And the co-ops are doing place and um, so everyone that comes in, you know, we encourage them to get involved in doing something whether it's filling up a jar or whatever cleaning the dishes or something and so it was it was just an extension of that to be able to hey let's do this really huge thing and let's ask everyone that comes through the front door um Mm. to get involved and to help and it did really create a lot of friendships and networks Mm. and whatever um and make people feel a part of the co-op part of friends the earth and and as beth said to feel proud of it as well because it was you know super fun and and just really attractive night like really good looking yeah. <laughs> they felt great being there and so many people too would come that have never really known foe before so that was a really great thing and then they'd be going wow that place like that was mm. amazing night and so everyone was waiting for the next one and what was the theme they'd just be ringing up going so what's the next theme and so it yeah. just became this sort of it was a nice buzz. idea yeah. yeah so if we go through the themes best do you uh-huh. do have them written down or will i try them from your Oh, here. yeah, you could just say them. Okay. Yeah, that's good. You reckon? Well, so Silva was first. Silver Silva was first. And then it became, I think, Copacabana. Copacabana. <laughs> then we did the Glam. Wasn't Glam it? Rock was Glam really Rock, special, Which I was pretty amazing. Was really the outfits, good. so much lycra. And Beth, were you saying that you organised some bands like to come together for those Glam Rock Oh, events? yeah, a lot of the time I did, actually. So I um, got a lot of um, Hell people. Bitch. That, yeah, Hellbitch was one. And I think they started out as um, a different name to start with, but then they became Hellbitch. But people loved them so much that they started playing gigs around town in pubs and stuff. So, so they started out with like a repertoire just for the ball and, and got, you know, 20 
songs together or whatever. Just but then on. they went on. Yeah, yeah. on and on. And everybody <laughs> was wanting them everywhere. And so they started playing in places. And they're for women from different bands all over you yeah. know, Melbourne or over the world. So yeah. they all Great musicians. I think one of the nice ones we put together in the 60s with the Wolfgram sisters. I don't know if everybody knows who they are. And they do a yeah. lot of the backing of all bands all over Melbourne or on TV. You see them all the time. They've been around for years. But they got together with uh, three of our volunteers who were musicians and had a studio. Um, and so they got together and did a whole 60s thing. And they were called, I think they were the Dana Ross and the Supremos. Like we just made up a name, but they were amazing because <laughs> they're so, such um, great performers. But they were incredible that night. But there was just always... Yes, the Elvis, Elvis Pelvis and the yeah. Hipsters. No, I was in that band. <laughs> it was really strange. Like that. It was really good. I mean, there are your classics like Benny and the Fly by Nighters, who are a classic 50s band that have played around Melbourne for years. But then we had all, all different things going on with all of that, you know, like lots of the burlesque thing was a new thing in Melbourne. And so that was a pretty good thing. But I always loved the Latin dancers that used to come that I had on for shows. And they were like that really traditional. Latin, you know, Latin dancing with all the sequins and that, and it was like, <gasps> but um, yeah. And then, oh, that was a we had a fabulous fifties ball as well. Yeah, remember backwards on high heels? That yes. was um, Lynn did a projection, oh, yeah, like that was amazing. Really, really good. Yeah, there was just um. Yeah, lots of other little acts as well. There was the Country Carnival Ball. You should have been playing at that, Anthony. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was this whip-crack and daddy, we called him, from um, the country. <laughs> and he ha- was whip-cracking in the hall, but it was so <laughs> scary and loud. It was, that what it was what he did for a living. And he was really good at it, but he was, well, I don't know where he came from, but I had to at one point say, hey, I think you might just have to finish up now because everyone was just freaking out and it was like, <laughs> Like the noise of it, like it was like really something out of some bizarre situation. <laughs> yeah, so oh, it sounds wild. It's just absolutely wild. And we'll be back after this community service announcement. I'm Jeffrey. I'm Alphonse. I'm Erwin. And we, we are, are from, from the Voice of West Papua. The Voice of West Papua now has a one-hour show. We have moved from Monday 6.30 to Tuesday 6.30 until 7.30 p.m. Yes, more news and music from West Papua. VCR broadcasters present over a hundred radio programs every week, including a diverse range of community language shows. Come to one thing at VCR Community Radio. Please subscribe now. Just a moment, VCR Community Radio, Araja Al Istrakel and Ningal Ungalin Samuhavanoli, VCR A Kurt Kondir Kondirkal. Rinri Nayingal. Están escuchando Radio Comunitaria 3CR. Suscríbete ahora. Metsuketsek Radio y Gairanin, Horatanguda Melbumi Hai Kaotin, Himartanakrevetsek Ipertrisiari Antam. Support the station that gives your community a voice. Subscribe to 3CR. You're listening to 45 Years of Creative Resistance, a retrospective history series about Friends of the Earth on 3CR's Acting Up program. Now, we're fast running out of time, and we could listen to the themes of those balls perhaps all day long. Um, But before we close the show, Beth, there's a story about the Friends of the Earth AGM and something Mm. you've organised. Would you like to share that with us? Well, there's a whole crew of us that had to organise it, and we had from 94 countries around the world, we had the AGM at the Fitzroy Town Hall, which was then actually an empty building there was nothing there wasn't the library downstairs and we had the key to it for one week and over that time we had to have interpreters for all the 
people that came. We had to house them everywhere, pick them up from airports. It was a really big gig for us to do, and we all felt like we hadn't really ever done anything quite on this scale before. And um, But we did the best we could. We had to feed them. We had a kitchen permanently set up. We were getting donations from pastry shops, everything just to cut the costs. And, um, it was like we running was, the UN or something. Yeah, it was like that, but the best way we could. Like, hey. Like, Put on a no, <laughs> no budget. <laughs> and we actually, on the last night, and most nights we had to take them to listen to music around Melbourne as well, the whole of the... Um, you know, people, the guests that came, and there was quite a lot of them actually. And um, one of the nights too, as it was going on, we had to organise a gig for um, the end of the night up in the town hall. So over that time, I'd been organising that while this was going on, and then um, put some posters up because it was a bit like you know, you didn't have Instagram and you didn't have Facebook. You just had to go around, you know, the streets of um, Fitzroy in those days, and so so many people turned up to it, like hundreds, and we made so much money, which was so good because we had a deficit and we went shit we've nearly made it we've nearly got the whole lot like it was that big and we sort of had like I think that's one note where I really enjoyed one of the most things I've ever seen it was the Maori choir came from Footscray and there was about 35 people and they sang and it was the most beautiful beautiful experience and I think everybody there was everybody was teary during that but that was one of the most beautiful um, things and on that night we had a, a rock First Nations rock band um, with Russell Smith in it remember oh, yeah, Russell yeah, and yeah. Um, it was flamenco and Spanish and the Maori and it, it was amazing it was a beautiful night and we made a lot of money but it was a lovely closing of that and so everybody was happy went back to all their countries but we worked very hard mm. on that <laughs> yeah they gave us a gold star didn't they yes. and, and the week prior to that was the second Indigenous Solidarity Conference over at Maribyrnong so we mm. had we had these 600 people turn up to that and then we had back uh, straight after that was this Fireway we GM all thing. Organising like, that just yeah. from that little building, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. We had we have organised so many big things. Look, one thing I do want to say, and I don't know how far off time we are, but I actually wanted to say this thing, which I thought was really good for Friends of the Earth, is that in 2011 I went to a Mel- the Melbourne Festival and. Um, the Melbourne Festival had started and it was very always a reasonable price tickets to go to and I, Jello Biafro from Dead Kennedys was coming and he was on a panel and the theme was Power of the People and the panel was to discuss methods of change and how we can take action locally and we had Helen Maku from Slam Rally, Dave Graney, Stephen Kilby from the church and Helen was amazing because she used an example of um, Melbourne and an example of something that was really powerful that she thought and it was Friends of the Earth in Collingwood. And I just went, oh, my God, I'm sitting here and they're all going, yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> it's like this is so good. Yeah, so that's just something I think that recognition was is really important to know that Friends of the Earth goes wide, some, wide and wide to people and the name is there in so many ways. And I thought with that being so musically orientated and... Mm. Yeah, it just warms your heart, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it did, and it warmed my. Because I was sitting there, but I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and one thing, um, this um, does anybody know Emma Goldman? And um, is a Russian activist from you know, um, anarchist, anarchist, yeah, yeah. From and one of the expressions was, "If I can't dance, I don't want to be in your revolution." And it always makes me think mm. about the ball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I go, "That's what we were there for—to dance." So. You know, my computer's named after Emma Goldman. Oh, <laughs> when you go, when you go and hit print, <laughs> it's Emma Goldman. <laughs> I think, I think Emma made me think of the ball a lot by yeah. that expression because that was where we could let make everyone have a good time together Mm. in solidarity. Absolutely. And so I guess bringing it back to now, you know, Beth, you're still fundraising tirelessly for Friends of the Earth. Amos, you're still campaigning. Do you think events like the ones that you organised back in the 90s and early 2000s are still possible now and have the same payoff? Well, I think doing the street festival was good, but I haven't done that for a little while. Um, and, you know, getting that involvement on the community aspect was good. But whether we should, I mean, it's about having someone who's got the energy and the love and know you want to do it and do it. You know, it's about that and what would the purpose be. And yeah. Having been Beth's sidekick during it, like she lived and breathed 
every like for months mm. before every every one of those events like mm. really oh, like nice. that's why they were so fantastical because your imagination ran wild and then you would follow that lead and ask anyone and everyone around Melbourne can you help <laughs> and um it's just very very time consuming and and mm. all encompassing and i think also Fortunately, which is great, but the food cops really super busy as well now, and the, and and just to even do it on top of that is is a lot of work, isn't it? Yeah, unless there's some very um, enthusiastic people that want to join a group, and we mm. could give some big. Bang- I think we need to release some big acts of myself to um, probably come on on board and support Friends of the Earth as well. Mm. But they would be good because we can never disconnect from music. I mean, most of the people that I even work with that will come into the Friends of the Earth. They're all there are so many creative musicians that have come in every day. Mm. I mean, mm. Um, yeah, there's many amongst us at Friends of the Earth. <laughs> so so the, our fire scripts have imploded by about 2002, but you know that we've done our bit, and so we were sort of burnt out on the on the on the organising gigs thing. Mm. But um, there was other forest groups sort of doing stuff, and one of the best CDs I've ever heard was this compilation put out by like forest group uh, like Fe- Fezzes back in about 2009, 2010. It was a benefits CD for um, East Gippsland, and the quality of the stuff that was going on, you know, well past when we were in our prime, was uh, quite amazing. Um, so uh, I reckon, yeah, look, I, if there's any energy out there to do small gigs, I'm sure there's groups doing it anyway, isn't there? Like. Mm. I don't know if it's a, yeah. if it's if it's prolific as it used to be, but no. um, you know it should really be what we figured. It should be like happening every month or every two months. It's just a good socialise, let everyone unwind, have a good time, and um, if you've got mates in bands, give them a go and see if they can fly or not. I suppose. Mm. Yeah, I think recently with the bushfires, you know, we've seen so many benefit gigs and that yeah. kind of thing. So it really just shows you that the music community is really activated and really ready to rise. Mm. Mm. One thing we didn't ask, but I'd love to just get a quick answer on before we go, is um, just the relationship that you've had with 3CR or the community radio over the years and how that was, um, you know, involved with the balls or any of your gigs and promotion and that kind of thing. We've always been good friends yeah. <laughs> with, three, with yeah. 3CR. Yeah, we used to have a, a show on 3CR in 1994 or something yeah. like that called Green Beats. And um, the food cop was doing that for and Larissa yeah, McFarlane. That's who it was, yeah, McFarlane. and Larissa was really into music as well, and yeah. actually and actually did um, a show on 3CR called Local and Live for a long while, which had live bands and stuff like that. Mm. So there's been always been a big connection between 3CR, sort of like personnel, but doing stuff here, and then and then um, 3CR coming down to Faux just to even buy toilet rolls or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> do stalls when we had events and stuff like that, and um, and also being 3CR being really supportive of yeah, promoting anything. Side of it, yeah. So yeah, as we said, no internet, whatever. You would bring a flyer down to 3CR and pigeonhole all the pigeonholes, and then mm. people would read it out on air, such as Jan Bartlett, who was always very supportive of Friends of Earth. And it's really a good segue um, because we are coming to the very end of our series, and to wrap it up. We will be covering the relationship between Friends of the Earth and 3CR as the theme for our final show next week. And that really does bring us to the end of the show. I'd like to thank all our guests for joining us today, Leanne, Beth and Amos. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I'd also like to thank my co-producer, M, and everyone at 3CR who has helped us make this show a reality. You can listen back to all the shows from the series at 3cr.org.au slash acting up or where you get your podcasts. And we're also back live on Tuesday mornings with Dirt Radio. So um, tune in then for all your current Friends of the Earth news. Stay tuned now. We've got Jan's Tuesday Home Time. And Taking Us Out is another song that Anthony Amos has brought in. Which one is it, Em? It's called I'm a God by Understory. Uh, Jamie Antonio, yeah, Forest oh, yeah. Group. Right. See you later.